When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Skin Crawl Radio Drama Podcast. The greatest radio drama horror podcast of all time. Created by Skinner. It will scare the hell out of you. Just minding your business, not thinking about nothing with your tiny, empty little skull. And the next, well, could be a variety of things, right? We are talking about fairy folks, after all. People think they're cute and fun, but it's not. They're not. They're not cute and fun. Unless being trapped in time, replaced by turnip golems, or made to serve eternally as an assistant to some giggling master that knows only mischief is fun. Mischief, I tell ya. So stay aware, dude. And don't go stepping in those mushroom circles. Lest ye be subjected to the horrors I just listed. Oh, don't believe me, huh? Well, maybe this will make you a believer. It's a story I call Sight Unseen. Alright, kiddo. Are you excited about picking up the new shipwreck girls? Yeah! I can't wait to see whether Darla can stop Captain Fishguts from invoking the Calamari Curse. Gosh, I hope they have a copy left. It just came out yesterday and everyone at school wants to get their hands on it. Jessica's mom brought her to school late today so she could get first dibs to the library. She missed homeroom and everything. Well, Jessica's mom doesn't have a car commute job like I do. And if she wasn't so fond of her afternoon gin, she could have been giving her business to Miss Katie's new bookstore over on 7th Street instead of waiting outside public libraries at 8 a.m. in that ridiculous convertible. 
You know, I, I just bet Miss Hilda thought of you when she was putting the new copies on the shelves. I bet she knew how much you were looking forward to reading it and put one aside for you. Mom! Really? No fooling. Is that who this banana bread is for? <laughs> Nothing librarians love more than home-baked banana bread. Well, that and chewing over the town gossip. And shushing people. And sharpening pencils. I bet if you look behind Miss Hilda's desk, there'd be a heap of sharp pencils, tall as I am. Probably taller. <laughs> Hi, Miss Hilda. Well, hello, my dear. I see you brought back quite a pile. You haven't possibly read them all in just one week, have you? Yep. I really like the one about gorillas. But the one about mummies was so gross. I read it all the way through, though. What a spooky curse. What a wonder you are. <laughs> With an appetite for books like you have, I believe we're looking at the next Marie Curie standing before us. Mm, who? Don't tell me you don't know about Marie Curie, the famous lady scientist. She discovered radium, polonium, she shared many beautiful things with the world, and then she perished of exposure to her own shining, illuminating work, but anyway. Uh, here, I'll, I'll write down a book for you to check out about her. Thanks, Miss Hilda. Uh, Miss Hilda, you don't happen to have a copy of the new shipwreck- The new shipwreck girls? You mean shipwreck girls number 24, Darla, and the Barnacle of Destiny? Yes, yes, yes! Do- do you have any copies? Well, my dear, it is a very popular series. We just received the new installment yesterday. Unfortunately, all the copies have already been checked out. Mm. Except, of course, for this one. Yeah! <laughs> now, how could I not put aside a copy for our next Jane Goodall? Our next Howard Carter, our next Madame Curie. Just don't tell any of the other girls, okay? They'd positively make me walk the gangplank if they found out. It's even thicker than the last one. <laughs> All right, kiddo. Why don't you run and grab a few other books for the week, too? I imagine you'll be done with that one by the time we get back to the car. Thanks, Miss Hilda. Thanks, Mom. Well, Hilda, you've made a bookish little girl very, very happy. Oh, Rachel, you've made me very happy. Without your heavenly banana bread, I'm afraid I'd still be able to fit into my slacks from July. And what a tragedy that would be. <laughs> I'll get saucers. Coffee? It just wouldn't be scuttlebutt hour without it, I suppose. Oh, and not too big a slice for me, Hilda. I haven't quite given up the fight with my own... July slacks. <laughs> Almost, but not quite. <laughs> well, you might just give up the fight with your own hat when I tell you who's been coming in here every day like clockwork. Every blessed day since Sunday. Just coming in here by her lonesome, sitting down in the same chair over there in dusty old historical reference, keeping that seat just as warm and cozy as a used behind from the second the doors open to the instant they close. My land, Hilda, who... Is it someone I know? Well, I should say so. Here, I'll shove this pencil off the desk. Reach down to pick it up. You look over. Tell me who you see hunched up over there by the card catalog, just about drowning in lumpy shawls and that bad hat. No, it can't be. Is that, is that Megan O'Connor? 
It surely is. In the flesh. At first, I wasn't sure. When she came in, she was wearing a big old pair of sunglasses. Like she was some celebrity afraid of being recognized or something. But then she took them off to stick her nose in those tomes, and I knew for sure. Not many ladies around our age walking around this town with eye patches strapped across her face. Hmm. Losing an eye in grade school? Thank God she found success in her stories and didn't have to find a man to carry her along. My God, she's aged 30 years. Yep, yeah, it appears. Uppity successful authors don't know much about cold cream. <laughs> Uppity successful erotica authors at the least. I walked over there to historical reference when I first realized who she was. I tried to introduce myself. I was like, Megan, I said, why you all so-and-so? It's me, Hilda Gibbs. How you been all these years? I think, you know, and I didn't know quite what to say because, you know, me and her were never close. Not like the two of you. You you two youngsters and your exploring expeditions in the woods always combing back through the neighborhood at streetlights off with thorns in your hair and mud in your hems. I mean, I didn't know much of what else to say to her. I was just being friendly. You see? But then she whispered something. Well, what did she say? You will never guess. My heavens, Hilda, you're really spinning me up a yarn. Whatever did she say to you? What did she whisper? She said, I can never look away. They've still got it. They still got it. And she said it again, then again, thrice. She whispered the same thing. What an odd thing to say. And what did you say then? Well, I tell you what, Rachel, I don't think she was whispering to me at all. I think she was whispering to her own self. The library is free. You see, a body can sit here all day, scant a penny. It's warm in the winter. It's cool in the summer, running water in the washroom with an eternity of hours and books to read and a thousand worlds to disappear into. You know, I've, I've seen more than my fair share of folks who aren't quite right in the head and got no place else to be. You know, folks just hunting a safe, clean, quiet place to spend the hours trapped in their own topsy-turvy heads. And that's what I saw in Megan. You know, I think she's not right, Rachel. I really do. I think she's lost her marbles. I think all that living large has finally done her in, and all that, you know, all that money, all that fame. I mean, remember back after the accident, after her first book? Waiting list for weeks, months, for the audio recordings on cassette. If, you know, every housewife in Coed and the four counties wanted to read her stories about, of all things, fairies and fancies in their busting bodices and glistening chests and heaving bosoms and the quivering and throbbing and whatnot. I myself was as good as forced to read them over once as is my duty to the library sciences, but my god, the quivering. My goodness. My goodness. I I can't believe it's her. Oh, it, it's her alright. And there's more. There's more? Who do you think should come ding-a-lingin' through the library door just before lunchtime on Tuesday, drunk as a waterlocked badger? Well, I guess it'd be Nessie, drunk before noon. But if that was the full of it, I, I don't guess you'd be playing me up as if it were some great surprise. You guessed it. The good Mr. Ryan Keeness. But Nessie wasn't just up to his old normal stumbles and mumbles. He was off on a good one. Oh, yes, he was. Off on Megan, in fact. Why, he made a beeline right over to where she sat and ripped into her a good one. 
waving his arms, shaking those greasy fists right under her nose, hollering nonsense about circles in the forest and trifling with spirits. I had to call Sheriff Doolin to come in here and take him away somewhere, you know, to dry out. He was scaring the seniors in the reading nook. <laughs> scared me a bit too, I confess. I'd, I'd never seen him in such a state, and I've known that little red-headed ragamuffin since he was plugging around in training wheels. Sad, sad story that. You know, his ma and pa kept him wearing girls' clothes till he was a ten-year-old boy. Kept him out of school, kept him at home wearing a long calico dress and praying the rosary. Something they were scared of. Creatures or demons that would spirit it away. A, a male child or something. I don't know. As, as fond as the bottle as Nessie is, I can't imagine his pa was much different, which does some to explain it. Anyway, I can't fault Nessie terribly for turning out the way he did, but I couldn't have him in here in historical reference taking Megan's head off with his ranting and his raving, with his lurching about, you know, reeking of whiskey and verbena. He's not a bad man, really. He's just, he's, he's not. He's just dealt a bad hand, I suppose. Did you say circles in the forest? Oh, circles in the forest, fairy courts, um, reanimated hands of a warlock. Let me see what else. It was um, leprechauns, a particular negligee belonging to his ex-wife, uh, banshees, changelings, his disposition on the pricing of various ales, demon felines. I mean, as much nonsense as you could buy at Obadiah's Five and Dime on coupon day. Honestly, he went on for quite a spell before Sheriff Doolin managed to leash him out to the wagon. You know what, as, as a matter of fact, keep your wits about you and your daughter when you walk back to your car this afternoon. He's been camping out over yonder near the stream, lurking in the evenings at close and shouting travesties at Megan from the shrubs when she leaves the library. Sheriff Doolin's put some admonishment into him for certain he never gets close. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Nessie's harmless, you understand, but a body can certainly get a good start when he pipes up from those rhododendrons. You know, Hilda... I think I might go over there and say hello to Megan. I'm a bit ashamed to say I never spoke to her much after the accident. No? Oh, I, I never would have guessed. The two of you were thick as thieves. Weren't you even with her when it happened? I was. I, I mean, I wasn't. We were both there, but we weren't together. <laughs> Well, if that isn't just the thrust of every romantic institution I've ever tried my hand at. <laughs> Go on ahead, Rachel. I think you should. She's been sitting there for over a week with her ashen, unpowdered nose buried in those reference volumes. I'm a librarian myself and kind to given most literature a fair try, but anyone spending that much time reading those dry-as-a-chalkboard books could use a friendly voice and a friendly face. But... I'll take it as a personal offense if you do not show up next week with another loaf of this godly banana bread, but sparing a full and detailed account of how forth conversations spun, okay? I live for this sort of thing, you see. Hilda, you have promise of both my bread and my word. Megan? Megan, is that you? It's me, Rachel. Mm. Rachel Kelly? You used to call me Ray Ray. 
from Sisters of Enduring Faith. We used to know each other when we were girls. It's probably hard to recognize me after all these years. We had Sister Beatrice together for first period English and Sister Edith together for homeroom. I lived in that kind of bluish townhouse through the woods to your old place. You had that little dog, Muggsy. That that little thing would just yap up a real storm. I know who you are. I thought you might. I know. I was so glad to hear about your success with the writing and the books. We saw your name in the Times a few times. I, I asked Mark. I said, do you believe it? We know a full-blown celebrity from right here in town. Anyway, we heard you moved to Arlington and bought that big house across from the Arbory. My, what a fantastic place. Not that I've ever been invited over, uh, which I, I absolutely understand. Uh, a lot of great writers tend to be, what's the word, a bit um, reclusive? Well, it takes a lot of quiet and peace to keep those creative juices flowing, I, I bet. Now, so how have you... You left me. Pardon? You left me, Rachel. You left me in the woods that day. You left me there with them. There were so many of them. So many. They took it from me. Oh, you know, I, I've never been proud of that, Megan. Uh, I think about it still, about how I wish I'd have gone back for you. We were only, what, 11 or 12 years old? But still, that's no excuse. I, I should have said this to you long ago. Really, I should have. But I was just, well, I was young and full of shame. And I, I can't imagine what a terrible thing it was for you. But, but you should know, it was a terrible thing for me, too. Uh, just to see it happen, to come back around and... And, and hear you screaming and, and see all those bees those huge horrible bees just swarming around your head seeing them swarming swarming into your eye <laughs> the black hole where your eye used to be full of bees and and strings i dreamed about it every night oh god sometimes i still do bees you're still convincing yourself you saw bees in the woods that day well, yes! You tripped over some roots and fell into that weird hive in the forest floor. Hive? I guess you could call it that. A hive. I disturbed the hive. I know you must have been awfully upset. I would have been. You know, would you like to get a cup of coffee sometime? I could drive out to Arlington, or we could just go down the road a bit. Do you remember Shannon Foss? She's opened up the cutest little coffee. Mom, I got these new ones from Miss Hilda. There's one in here about giant squids. There are these squids, see, and they're so big that... Mom, who's that lady? What happened to her eye? Is she a big pirate? Like Captain Fishguts? Kiddo, that's not nice. Don't be rude. This is Ms. O'Connor, one of Mom's friends from when we were little girls. Say hello to Ms. O'Connor. Hello, Ms. O'Connor. Well, hello there, bright eyes. I knew I'd find you here in the library. 
such an imagination on you. The apple doesn't fall far, as they say. Well, I... Uh, I guess we ought to go ahead and hit the old dusty trail. They still have it, Rachel. They still have it. They show me things, Rachel. The most beautiful things. The most terrible things. They dance, they spin, they make love, and then they tear each other apart. They cannot tell pain from pleasure. Their bodies belong to the tides and the storms and the dark blood moon. I can't look away, Rachel. I can never look away. I wrote you something, Rachel. Something just for you. All these years I've been writing it for you. Take it. Take it! Oh! Why didn't you come back, Rachel? Why did you leave me? Why did you let the fairies take my eye? They still have it, Rachel. They still have it. (laughs) Well, that was weird. So weird. Is she a crazy person, Mom? Kiddo, sometimes people just get a little lonely, I guess. Sometimes they get a little too swept up in the stories in their heads and forget that there's a whole other story out here in the real world. What's that book she gave you? Let's see. The title is An Eye for an Eye, dedicated to Ray Ray, for her eyes only. Huh. Why does it look so funky? For one thing, I'm pretty sure she wrote it on a um, a typewriter, and it's bound in something weird, too. Feels scaly. And if you look at it from the side, doesn't it look like it's kind of moving? Yeah, maybe some kind of crinkly leather. Anyway, want to get out of here so we can go see what the shipwreck girls are up to? I think your dad's making chicken pot pie for dinner. Okay, but I don't want the crusty part on the bottom. It gets all soggy. Deal. Mrs. Kelly! Mrs. Kelly! Hold on there! Don't move a muscle! I gotta talk with you! Kiddo, get in the car. Mr. Keenis, we were just on our way and we're in quite a rush. Forgive us, we've got to be going. Mrs. Kelly! Mrs. Kelly! You've gotta listen to me! Please! Please roll down the window. I know. I sound crazy. I'm not crazy. And I'm not drunk neither. I gotta warn you. You gotta listen to me. That woman, O'Connor, she gave you a book. Did she? A book that breathes? You gotta listen to me. Don't read that book. Don't even look at it. Don't even touch it. She made a deal with them, Mrs. Kelly. She made a deal with the fairies. After all these years, she's finally done it. She's drawn up an exchange with them, and it's right there in that book. You think I'm in hysterics, but I've seen them myself. I swear to you. And before God Almighty, they're real as the nose on your face. Toss it away, Mrs. Kelly. Toss it out. Before it's too late! Drive away, Mom! Drive away! 
I'm sorry, Mr. Keenis. Please, um, take care. You don't understand, Mrs. Kelly. The fairies. She's made a deal with the fairies. An eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. So what happened then? Mom really burned rubber. We were all like, all the way home. What happened was I safely and responsibly put some distance between us and the situation. So where is this mysterious book now? Don't tell me you really did throw it out the window. It's in a tote in the study. I figured I'd take it back to the library next week. If Megan happens to be there, I could give it back to her. And if not, I imagine Hilda will want to take a look. I mean, that old gal's got to be the nosiest critter this side of an African elephant. Really? Come on, you don't even want to take a peek. One tiny peek. After all, Megan O'Connor's pretty famous, and she wrote an entire book just for you. Ten bestsellers, ten more greater sellers, and one handbound, one-of-a-kind first edition just for Rachel Kelly? Childhood friend and fellow B-attack survivor? Oh, that's not how it was at all. You're embellishing. What's embellishing? Well, it's when you add little bits and pieces to a story to make it more interesting, even if those things never really happened. Well, in that case, I think everyone should be embellishing. To make things more complicated and interesting, you know? Honey, one day you'll reach an age where the last thing you want anything to be is more complicated. Eat your chicken, Popeye. Mmm, not the soggy part. And I, for one, believe you should at least read a page or two. After all, it's for your eyes only, so if you don't read it, think of all the hard work gone to waste. Plus, if she ever bites the big one, you have a valuable first edition on your hands. Those can go for a pretty penny. I wonder if she signed it for you. I don't know. It was so odd. Nessie really didn't seem drunk at all. I believe this may be the first time I've had occasion to say those words. He was upset and excited and shouting some downright ludicrous things, but he also seemed like he knew exactly where his wits were. He wasn't staggering or slurring. I couldn't smell anything on his breath. And you know Nessie. When he's been in his cups, you can smell that polecat from the state line. It's up to you, my dearest. But I know that I, for one, would just about die of curiosity if you didn't get at least a peek at the first few pages. After all this chatter about it, it wouldn't be fair just to toss it aside entirely. <laughs> all right, all right. Maybe just the first few pages. You guys got the rest of those dishes? Yippers, almost done. Just gotta dry. You go ahead, honey, we've got this. Go ahead and take care of some light reading. An Eye for an Eye by Megan Francis O'Connor. For Ray Ray, for her eyes only. At dusk in the dew-lit forest of you, the fairies gathered for tribunal. 
They stood wingtip to wingtip, bodies clad only in spiced oils and pastes of imbued ash that drew across their chests like wounds from the blade of an enchanted spear. And their fairy tongues, which cannot be written in man's words on man's paper or uttered from the mouths of men, the fairies called forth the wretch, as they had done many times before. The wretch appeared in a buzzing cloud of grass-green gnats that melted away as her flesh took form, now suddenly manifest at the fairy tribunal rather than whatever earthly supper or errand or human-held doldrum she had been engaged before the fairies summoned her before the familiar fairy circle. A circle she knew too well, the sight of which filled her with spite and hatred and evil thoughts. The wretch peered with the eye in her face, at the eye that was no longer in her face and had not been for some many years. The wretch's other eye hovered in a magical binding above the fairy circle, its crisp blue iris still that of a schoolgirl, blinking and fretting and glancing at the circle of fairies. Suddenly, two of the fairies entered the circle, right in front of the wretch's captured eye, their oiled chests catching the dusk light. Their braids glimmered blue-black and lit with a lustful glow. Their bodies collided, torpid, undulating in the fairy circle, forcing their bodies together with ever more savage thrusts, dripping sweat and tears and blood that glowed like bog fire until both shrieked and caterwauled in the ecstasy of their own fiery magic. And as the crescendo peaked, both were ripped apart by the other, a softly falling curtain of flesh and muscle gossamer wings, tiny bones, and anguished bits of faces that vanished into dim, shimmering fog before alighting within the circle on the forest floor. Please, cried the wretch, no more. I cannot bear it any longer. Men were not meant to see these things, these things of your nature. Again, I beg of you, please, release me from this torture. I vow I offended you all those years ago. I stumbled into your circle and my eyes beheld your tribunal, which I had no right to bear witness. But have mercy on a girl of 12 years who erred in foolishness and clums. Release me from this punishment. Let it not continue until I am driven more mad than my current state. A fairy stepped forward from the circle and approached the wretch's hovering, cursed eye. A beautiful creature carved from petrified wood and gleaming alabaster. The fairy stood before it, stroked it, and spoke. Its voice echoed and pulsed through the forest, each leaf and dewdrop singing back its honeyed words so that the forest contracted and expanded as the pressure before a lightning storm contracts and expands, preparing the land for beauty and violence. There is no give in this world without take, and no take without give. It is the darkness and the light, the storm and the calm, the soil and the stream, the rotting things and the flowering things. Are you ready, at last, to accept our offer, the solitary offer that would grant you freedom from the curse of eternal sight? The wretch buried her face in her knees, turning away from the beautiful, awful faces of the Fae. So many times, 
thousands of times she was called to this tribunal and refused this offer. Refused the offer to lift the curse from herself and foist it upon another. It would be easier if it could just be any other. Then she would have no problem transferring the curse to someone who truly deserved it. A murderer, perhaps, or the myriad of dressmakers who had failed over centuries to devise a method of placing pockets within frocks. But no, the curse could only be swapped to another who had glimpsed the fairy world of their own mischief, and the wretch knew only of one other whose gaze had befallen the fairy circle and its furious denizens. Could she? Would she? Would she ease her own suffering by offering up the soul of another innocent? What would be the price of this offense if not certain hellfire? And yet, could the wretch take much more of this haunting? The wretch sobbed. Yes. Yes. I accept. I will do as you say. I will spin a tale and place it into the mind's eye of another. An innocent who has witnessed the world of the Fey Dominion. And then you shall have will to trespass into her mind. And take her eye for mine, such that I will be released from this suffering through sacrifice of another. Another who has seen your kind, who denies your very existence by way of tongue, but by way of heart, knows the truth. Everything okay there, honey? We were just... thought you might come here. Remember, Ray Ray? This is where we saw the bees. My land, what big bees. What big bees. Big, big bees, Ray Ray. Big, big bees. You lied, Rachel. When they all laughed at me, when they put me in that place with no windows, you knew they weren't bees. You knew they weren't bees. And now you'll know for sure. Now you won't be able to lie or forget or imagine it away because you're going to see. You're going to see what I have been seeing all these years. In the daylight, in the market, in the shoe store, even when you lie your head down to sleep at night, you will always see Rachel. You can never close the cursed eye. Oh, the dreadful and wonderful things you will see. Megan, listen. Whatever this is, whatever you're going through, I can help you. I'm so sorry for whatever happened to you. I I can't imagine how lonely it's been for you, going through life with your disfigurement. But But it's not that bad, really. People have put up with worse. Why don't you come stay with my family for a spell? We, we can put you up in the study. It's not much, but... <laughs> Who said that my madness is the madness of the lonesome? Megan, please. 
please, whatever you're planning, whatever you're plotting with them, please, don't let them come after me. It was just one moment, one moment long ago, so long ago we were both children. How could I have lived my whole life admitting to myself, then to the world that we stumbled onto a kingdom of fairies, and that I, I watched them fry your eye from your head as you screamed for the good Lord's mercy? How could I have gone on? But you did, Ray Ray. You did go on. But not me. That other eye. The eye they kept. It never closes. I see things not even the most sinister madman could invent. They are not like us. The ecstasy of agony. The lust of carnage, the orgies and massacres and broken bodies, an afterglow of tectonic pleasure. Things the human mind cannot bear. Things the human eye okay. should not okay, see. Okay, listen, Megan, listen, I get it. But but in your book, you said it has to be someone who has seen them, right? Someone who has witnessed the fairies of their own mischief. But does it have to be me? It could be anyone, right? Anyone who has seen one of the fairies with their own eyes. Yes, that is the terms of their offer. Okay, okay, well then, I have an idea. Oh, Lord, help me. I am parked over yonder. Come with me. We'll put a new binding on this book. Uh, can you retype the first pages? The dedication? I have a typewriter that should do the trick, Megan. Megan, we used to be such good, good friends. Let's be friends again, okay? Let's be friends again. I see it. I see the tent. The tent. The tent. I see it too. Give me the book. You stay back here, Meg. Nessie? Nessie? Mr. Keenis? It's Mrs. Kelly. I'm tickled I found you. Hilda told me that you might be setting up shanty around the stream here. Are you home in there? I wanted to thank you for looking out for me yesterday afternoon. I brought you some banana bread and some reading material. Well now, what do you think of that, huh? Believe me now? I told you about the mischief and you didn't believe. You kids don't believe in anything cool and old-timey. Making me feel severely old, I tell ya. Maybe if malevolent fairy mischief was a game on Nintendo, you'd believe in it, eh? Maybe that's what I should do. I should make a game called Malevolent Fairy Mischief, and then all the children in the world will listen to me! <laughs> hey, where are you going? I'm not old, I'm cool. I'm cool and young like you. Hey, wait, wait, where are you going? Where are you going? Written by Saris Nikita, starring Peaches Christ as mother, Kayla Temshiv as daughter, Janine Bauer as Miss Hilda, Addison Peacock as Megan, Atticus Jackson as Nessie, Marquise Moore as dad, and Skinner as Raleigh. Dialogue editor and sound design, Brad Colbrock. 
Music, Ryan Howes. Showrunner and director, Shelby Scott. Creative director, Skinner. Producer, Pacific S. Obadiah. Executive producer, Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a Bloody FM show. For more information, visit bloody.fm. Goodbye. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 